Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are here talking Survivor 46. It's a new season, same shit. Uh, <laughs> Survivor, new era. I uh, don't know where to start here. I feel like I feel like MJ when she walked into that room. Um, I'm a bit speechless. Just for context sake, this is MJ on The Traitors. I should hope. Watching. I should hope I feel everybody like, knows who MJ well, is. Well, yeah, but I feel like one thing I always forget about with us is that, like, I feel like we just assume that, like, everyone has our media right. diet. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's not the case. Um, true, true. But, yes, I, 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 I'm with you as well. I feel akin to the season 10 reunion of RuPaul's Drag Race in a back and forth between the Vixen and Eureka, in which RuPaul's sort of like, what's the beef between the two of you? And they both kind of just raise their arms, and it's like, do you want to go first? Do you want to go first? And the truth is, nobody wants to go first. And that's how I feel in this moment. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, maybe we should, uh, you know, give out the content warning here, the... Uh, the, the disclaimer that, and look, this happens every premiere almost, that we just don't love premieres. I don't love finales and I don't love premieres. And so definitely taints going into a new season for me. I did like the season 45 premiere though. So that was like an outlier. Um, I always find premieres really, really tough because I find, especially in the new era, they hit the same beat over and over and over. I've seen this now five times uh, before. And so it just feels like we've been here before and nothing is progressing, especially with the exact same format of the three tribes, the sweat versus savvy, the journey, uh, a, a very, what felt like an unnecessary two hours. So look, disclaimer, it's, it, it's going to be a rough episode if you loved Survivor 46 premiere, because I think I know how Evan feels about it. I know how I feel about it. But we're going to work through it. We are going to talk about some of the gameplay. But as always on this podcast, I mean, we've said this before, and I think this gets lost a little bit because most podcasts focus on the game of Survivor and sort of like, what are the strategic moves being made? Yes, we're going to touch on that. But I think we've always looked at Survivor more so from a TV product, a television episode. Was this a good episode? Was this a bad episode? What were our critiques about the episode as it was edited together and presented to us? And I- I'm struggling here today because I felt that this wasn't a well-presented episode of TV. So that's the disclaimer. Stick around if you want to hear that. If, you, if you'd like to hear criticisms of things you love. I wouldn't be here if I didn't love this show. So there's that. Um, but I'm going to critique it. So that's the disclaimer. If, you're, if that's not for you, leave now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if you do want non-criticism, I would certainly advise you to head over to Rob Has a Podcast where Franny and Rob <laughs> recap the episode. Franny called it a fun episode off the top of their episode. So I'm not even being facetious here. Like if you want positivity, it exists out there. I would say that the majority of, you know, survivor-centric content is in the positive scope. Yeah, so yeah. we are an antithesis of that. We recognize that, but... 
regarding the feedback that I think sort of swelled for us in 43, correct me if I'm wrong, around our negativity. Um, I will be bringing that back to the show, (laughs) uh, at least for this episode. And so I always sort of struggle with this sort of like wanting to be more intentional about finding the positivity. And I will certainly put that effort out there. But like this was a terrible episode of television and it was a chore to watch it um and so i'm going to have to you know recognize my truth here and so i just i think we're both sort of yes obviously we're putting the addendum here but if this is not your cup of tea i really do fully get it and i'm not asking you to like come on board but i'm asking you to recognize that like this is the product that we are creating with our podcast and uh it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're not, yeah, we're not looking to be flown to Fiji for, you know, Survivor 47. Like, that's not our angle here. Yeah, I think that's I'm not ship, suggesting uh, anything. But but I will say, arrived, but before we get has. in there, because, like, we've we've sort of, like, said, look, neither of us loved this episode. That's okay. And, it's, look, it's not a reflection on the cast individually. It's, like, whatever. It, please don't take it that way. But I will say, just before we move on, because we've put out how we feel, I did put out a gut check poll on our Instagram, and I want to share those results because people feel differently. So I said, did you love it? Was it good enough? Did you hate it? Or are you not watching? 17% so far have said they loved it. 60% said it was good enough. Okay, so that's overwhelming. Good enough episode of Survivor. Uh, 11% hated it. 12 aren't watching. So and I love that there's I love that there's people following us not watching. Like that's kind of iconic. Um, but <laughs> but uh, you know the overwhelming majority here thought it was a good enough episode of Survivor. And like maybe we'll find the things that were good enough about it. Shout but I will also say that like I felt this way about Survivor 44 premiere, right? And that turned out to be a great modern season of Survivor. And so I'm willing, I'm willing here to like give this a starless rising. Potentially, and you know, maybe we will see the rise. I'm trying. I'm not. Evan, I'm trying to look on the bright side. <laughs> I'm not willing, but I do want to shout out the 12 percent that are not watching the show. I I sort of envy uh, <laughs> that that that, uh, <laughs> that decision. Um, the other thing I think we need to mention off the top here is that Sean, correct me if you feel differently. I think we'll, we will be moving the star or starless segment over to the after show, and there's a number of reasons, but the one I would share with you all listening is that there are a lot of players from this current season following us and in recognition of you know shall we say a tussle that we had last season with one of the players (laughs) on the show um I don't want there to be any confusion around our criticisms of players in the game versus people and individuals. And I just don't, when we say someone is starless, I just don't want that to be potentially misconstrued as a criticism of who they are outside this game. And and though I think we're really explicit about it, I don't think it's always clear to all of the listeners. So this uh, to say that we will continue that segment, but it will no longer be on the main episode. This to also tease the fact that yes, our Survivor after show is back it is available exclusively on patreon it is where we continue the conversation around the episode and share some of our opinions that we want to keep a little bit more uh uh in a safe space if you exclusive exclusive i will say though there are a bunch of players following us not as many as last season although that number fluctuated throughout the season um but (laughs) but uh i will say the players that follow us are all people i like so there's a, there's that like there's not there's nobody really following us from the season that I'm like oh boy we're in trouble 
Well, then can I ask? Did the one that replied to your tweet, is that one of the ones that follows us that you no, like? No, no. Okay, okay. I was going to say, because then I'm- Not that I'm aware. Like, I haven't okay. done a check in a while, but yeah. I just, from memory, um, okay. I think we've got some good followers. We've got we've got Soda as a follower. I think we've got Kenzie as a follower, uh, Maria, Charlie. So, Liz. Okay, so I'm did I say Liz? I'm to pull up a list with faces. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I, I I've got the list one name that you said. The, the, <laughs> the problem is we didn't do any preseason- Content. That's not so a this problem, is our Sean. this is our first season outside of maybe forty one where we didn't do a cast assessment um, because we we famously hate cast assessments so we just decided to forego we've got a lot going on in terms of like the traders Australian Survivor our Nicaragua rewatch going on, on the Patreon there's a lot going on so we just didn't have time to do a cast assessment this season and as a result we're you know we're both maybe going to struggle with the names a little bit but I've got a little chart going on here. I've opened a chart. Um, okay, can I say, before yeah. we like formally jump into the episode, a lot of preamble here, I recognize. I did really make an attempt, as I often do with premiere episodes, to watch through the lens of someone who's never seen the show before. And I think one of the challenges with this episode, with that perspective, was this felt very much like we're back, baby. Like that was very much sort of the overall, like, uh, I don't know, I was gonna say lens, but I just used that word, but we're using it again. The overall lens on the show, and I do think that I sort of craved more, I always go back to that season seven premiere um, when they're ransacking that village and Jeff direct to camera sort of explaining the game of Survivor and how it works um, to a seemingly potentially new audience. And I think if, you know, if it's a binary and there's one or the other, surprise, surprise, I favor that sort of, uh, that in that era of the show. Yeah, the, to counterpoint that, I mean, we did get quite a bit of this is what Survivor is. I mean, we got Tevin telling us and then we got Jeff telling us what Survivor is. Yes, but that was really very much focused on like, that felt like press release to me. Um right. And it was, yes, so you're not wrong. Um, but I do think that there were just, and that's just the opening, but there were just many instances throughout the show that's like, oh, we finally got to like this point in Survivor. Like this is a staple and we're so excited that we got it as opposed to like, uh, just there was just overall less discovery, which I maybe uh-huh. you say like, well, it's season 46, what are you looking for? Um, but there was something just tonally that felt more back in the saddle. And I think that I sort of like every season is being treated as like this brand new entity. And I think part of what makes that more difficult is because we don't have the themes to sort of say, you think you know this, but this season we're doing this. Now we're just, we're back. It's 46. Uh-huh. I gotta say like, I've mentioned this before, but the contrast between Jeff's zoom out on 26 days, whatever, blah, this is Survivor, and it just being him on a beach, as opposed to those early seasons when it like zooms out and he's, do you have a favorite one that comes to mind of Jeff? I love it when he's on the helicopter. The helicopter, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. always a favorite. But there's the volcano one when he's yeah. literally on an active volcano. I just think there's nothing that more concretely contrasts where we were and where we are than it's just like he's just on the beach saying it's Survivor. And it's kind of like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that, and I'm, I'm still a big picture here, I guess what's frustrating, and maybe I'm repeating myself, is just that this has happened. This is the sixth time we've done the same thing. 
I know sometimes they've started on a barge, sometimes they've started on a beach, but like all things considered, it's the same thing. And it's just, and I don't know whether it's uh, the lack of themes or any sort of change in the format of the game, in the format of the tribes, in the way this plays out, that there's no marooning. It just feels, it just feels so repetitive and I found myself exhausted, honestly. And I, I was having like, I was going to save this for the after show, but honestly, it was like having like a, a, a sort of like identity crisis here for the podcast where I was like, do we want to be recapping this? I had that thought in the shower too. Because we're, and the reason I say that is because we're having so much fun over on the Patreon recapping Survivor Nicaragua, which is like granted <laughs> towards the bottom of most lists of best Survivor seasons. And we're just having so much fun. And I'm like, should we just be a rewatch podcast? Like maybe, maybe that would be more fun for us and for the audience. But uh, should we, like, should we, should we pull, pull the followers <laughs> on that one and see? And I was like, remember when, we, remember when we started this podcast and we said, this is not a recap podcast. And then we were like, well, we'll try it out for 41. Uh, and now it feels like we're a chain to the rhythm here. But mm. anyways, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Uh, well, let, maybe it's let's not talk going about, up. <laughs> let's talk about the episode. Because, uh, uh, you know, all of the tribes uh, arrive. I thought it was really interesting here what Jeff was doing with his speech. Because in the past, we've had people sort of going like, oh, my God, it's Jeff Probst. Oh, my God, I'm on Survivor. This time, and Jeff has promised to get a little sharper uh, with the contestants this season. I don't know that we've necessarily seen that in full force yet. But he did, uh, uh, when they all arrived, said, just so everybody knows, someone here can't win. Someone here is dumb and sucks, and you're never going to get the votes, even if you go all the way to the end. Which I thought was an interesting comment to make, given that he was just talking about how they would never cast somebody who couldn't win. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of beside the point. And then he says, let's get into our tribes. And it's like, Jeff, <laughs> they're already in their tribes, and you've already dressed them in all purple, all green, and all yellow and or orange. And like truly, and I did tweet about this, and I've talked about it before, but the wardrobing is just, it's just so next level. Um, It's so next level catalog, family catalog sort of wardrobing. Excuse me, say what you said on Twitter. Well, it's the it's the Ellen audienceification of the survivor wardrobing. And it's so frustrating. And and I used to like this goes back, this complaint goes back many, many years. And I know Ellen's been on since the early 2000s, but I used to call it like the Oprah audienceification, where it's like, you know, when you're going to a talk show, they tell you what you can wear and what you can't wear. You can't wear logos. Understand that you can't wear logos on Survivor. Uh, the days of the Reebok sponsorship are gone. And so that's fine. But there used to be a little bit more variety. And like, granted, you can go back to Golden Era Survivor and find similarly like bland outfits. But you did get like every now and then the sort of um, uh, like if you look at Cook Islands, uh, what's the name of the guy that fell in love with Candace? Um, 
Billy, Billy Garcia. Uh, he had that like skull t-shirt with the flames and like there there was like a little something I feel like coaches outfits and of course Jerry's iconic wardrobe and like yeah I'm, I'm bringing up like iconic looks here but like there was a little bit of variety that just showed me like oh this is like a little glimpse of like Billy who I wouldn't if Billy was put in the sort of like gap clothes that we're seeing today I would not have this like deeper understanding of who Billy is just by looking at him because it, a wardrobe can really change a person. That skull and flames t-shirt is like, oh, there's something like Billy's a little odd. Billy's like into like he's, he's like a little dark, like heavy metal sort of like vibe. That tells me a little something about Billy on first appearance, where like I don't think that any of the outfits in this opening shot told me anything about anybody. There's also just something thinking about people like Savage, which I think this was a trope for a time of like showing up in a suit jacket mm-hmm. and having to like jump in the water. There's mm-hmm. something about they arrive to the beach like in costume. And so not only did we not have a marooning, but it lacks that feeling that used to happen in the beginning, which was that transition out of the real world into the world of Survivor, where it feels very much like they're already at the starting line. And there used to be, again, that boat ride or the bus or the plane ride, wherever they would enter into when it was like settling in that they were no longer citizens of the world. (laughs) They were citizens of a new society. Um, And that is gone. And so, yeah. And then also to your point, it's like, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be a twist here. And we think that this is their tribes and they're not. But then because of the costuming, you were like, nope, that can't happen. They're all color coded. (laughs) And also it's just, it's like, I find it insulting to the audience that we need such such color coding um especially when and i should hope that there will be a tribe swap there's there we're going to be swapped up anyways we're going to go to merge like it doesn't really matter uh that we're keeping track of exactly what you know starting tribe these people were on i mean like we're going to like us sort of like super fans or podcasters or commentators like we're going to be able to keep track of that but i don't think the average person needs to be keeping track of that if it comes up as a storyline it'll be told to us and so like i just think sometimes with these like american shows these reality shows it's like the the color coordinating of everything is just like a little over the top but this is. is exactly the kind of critique where we like get dragged for where it's like nit- this is literally nitpicking but like i feel strongly about it yeah, gotta be us. Uh, <laughs> will you indulge me? Yeah, sure. So I'd love to read uh, a parade piece that came out today, or yesterday rather, from Mike Bloom. Uh, just not the whole thing, but I want to read an excerpt okay. from it. The headline, if you can mm-hmm. believe, behind the scenes of the funniest Survivor opening ever. You ready for this, Sean? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. A million ideas were running through the heads of the Survivor 46 players. Would Jeff impart onto them a distillation of the game, like the idea of a social contract that pervaded season 43? What would he, excuse me, what would he single each person out on as they gave their introduction? No matter what they were expecting, it certainly wasn't how Probst actually started the match at. Quote, (laughs) if you pick up a sponge and it smells bad, do you use it? It's a question that threw not only the castaways for a loop, but also myself and the crew, who all exchanged smiles as they kept the cameras rolling. (laughs) Trying to take it all in, both software engineer Jess and artist Tiffany tried to come up with answers to this seemingly out of nowhere question. Propes struck gold, though, when he went to data analyst Venus. Quote, I don't do the dishes. 
I used the dishwasher for that. The comment elicited a laugh from the rest of the cast and served as a harbinger of what would be the funniest opening in the show's history, a true marker of a group that Propes had previously highlighted for their humor. So it comes as no surprise that following Venus's answer, he immediately turned to Jem. Quote, what's the perfect bowl of popcorn? Now the contestants were starting to play ball a bit more. It goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> now, all of this, this this funniest opening ever on Survivor, you might be wondering, I don't remember that happening. And that's because that entire segment was cut out of the episode. And it's like puzzling. They fly Mike Bloom out to be on set, which by the way, is very odd because set visits are pretty standard um, for shows, but less so in my, in my understanding for reality competition, because when you fly media out on like a scripted show, there are multiple takes, right? So uh -huh. you, there's no, like, let's say I were to say something in, you know, by some odd occurrence or something they would just be like, get him out of here. There's only one take, especially with the Survivor opening scene. So I'm surprised that they wouldn't try and keep it as contained as possible. I'm also not sure why they couldn't just have uh, someone like Mike over at Media Village. So at Media Village, for people that don't know, is where the playback cameras are. So typically, like, they try and limit the amount of people on set. There's a room that's sort of close by, but not in, you know, sight or, or sound distance. So I'm just surprised that they would, like, allow Mike that sort of access. But anyway, I'm just... Also surprised, but also not surprised at all, uh, that they would sort of say, allow Mike to sort of situate this as, here's the funniest episode of Survivor ever, but by the way, those stupid editors cut it out of the show. Right, right, right. Which is not how so, he frames it, but like, it is sort of one of those things of like, you wouldn't believe how funny the Survivor opening is, but you're not going to see it. Yeah. They used to do this. So pre-season 39, they always brought media out and they actually would bring tons. Like Entertainment Tonight would go out. Like it was more than just the sort of like specialty reporters like the Mike Blooms and Dalton Ross, who also was out there uh, according to his tweets. So this is actually, they're getting back to that. I think they did it for 45 to potentially. Right, but um, weren't to they- go do the in-person interviews But beforehand. were they on set during the opening? I thought that they were there for- like be, I, I knew that this was like yeah. the case, but I didn't realize it was like literally like cameras up there behind the camera. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know like whether that was happening pre season thirty nine. I think they. I think I had heard something about like attending a challenge or something like that. Uh, this certainly seemed like unprecedented access in terms of like the uh like mike was at tribal council he heard all of the tribal council voting confessionals and shared those on twitter um but also was at the challenges and uh whatever so it sounds like there was a lot of access given um which is curious because i don't think that that's necessarily been the case in the past but mm -hmm. hey what do they have to lose well, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, we didn't get the opportunity to see this. Would you say, of the footage that we did see, would you qualify this as the, the funniest opening of Survivor that you've ever seen? No. I can't think of a lot of funny openings, though, no, to be fair. No, I, I can't either. It's, not, it's not, not exactly like a comedy. Yeah. There are comedic moments, for sure. But uh, in terms of openings, no. We usually like the opening to be, like, epic and exciting and adventurous. And maybe we get the odd goofy character or something like that. But uh, usually we're, like, we like to be thrown into the deep end. And, the, you know, like, thinking of, like, the token sheens or Guatemala hikes or uh, the China ceremony. I mean, that, that's kind of funny with... Courtney, but that's funny because we're watching a fish out of water 
in an uncomfortable situation, reacting yeah. to that situation, not because Jeff is slinging jokes at the yeah. contestants. You know, you make you mentioned the Guatemala hike, which I think is like such a great example. I think something that I, I, I really miss that I think was really important to the opening episodes back in the day was having that epic entrance that wasn't competitive, but allowed those people to have hours and hours of bonding before the game really begins. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that, and and I want to credit fiance to the pod, soon to be husband to the pod, uh, Billy, who mentioned the confusing thing about this opening challenge is we've just met them and then they're covered in mud so we can't even see them. So we're already <laughs> trying to distill these 18 people who are, who are new to us and then they're sort of literally masking them, masking their appearance. I just wish there was more of an opportunity in the beginning to meet them in a non-competitive way that's not talking head of them talking about who they are outside the game, but instead actually breaking them down a bit from the outset and uh-huh. showing them you're here on Survivor and it's not just about mat talk. It means that you're going to fucking, what was it, 10 miles in Guatemala? I think it was like 12, maybe. It's something insane. Yeah. I mean, they're dead when they arrive to the shelter, but then wait. Oh, wait, is it um Token Sheens where they end up helicoptering in the two people that yeah. lose? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that stuff like that is really critical and is missing. It's like you really just want to like wear people out from the outset, give them an opportunity to bond and get to know each other that's not back at camp, have them get to know each other so that when they arrive at camp, they've already started to figure out who everyone is within the tribe. So, yeah. Or to not even have to do that, just to start, to not start with a challenge would be interesting because, again, we've seen this, this is now the sixth season in a row where we're sort of starting in this way. And so I think that what what would be more interesting to me at this point to see as something different is like just maroon them and send them to camp. They haven't even seen each other yet. They don't know what the other tribes look like, right? Um, And then... And then you form bonds at camp. I mean, we see how quickly some of these people strategize outside of maybe Jess, who doesn't want to strategize. Um, but you see how quickly they sort of like pull together alliances and things like that. And then you get to a challenge and you find out, oh, shit, my alliance member sucks. And now I have to consider, you know, all this hard work I put in on day one is now no good on day two because like this just isn't going to fly. So like that's actually kind of more interesting to me than sort of like showing, especially with going straight from the reward challenge to Sweat or Savvy, where we see like Jelinski, for example, um, just totally bomb it. And that really started his downfall. He hadn't really had a chance to just be himself, not a competitor um, with these other people and sort of like, and like granted, he did get into a majority alliance despite that, but obviously he ended up going home. So, but it would have been interesting to see how that might have played out if he had just had a day at camp with his tribe before sort of flopping in all the challenges. Right. And on that, I feel like because we are so not focusing on the survival component of the show, we really have entirely lost all of the shelter making. But also before that, there also was a time when we had to decide where we were going to place the shelter. And now everything just feels so templatized where it's like you arrive and you already see people sitting and weaving the palm fronds and we already cut to the shelter being built. But there was so much plot development and character development in the past around where are we going to place the shelter and people disagreeing as to where and who's Mm -hmm. going to do what in building the shelter. 
Whereas I feel like now we just cut to three people weaving palm fronds and having a conversation about how old their kids are, which again, to the templatized part, it just, it all feels so formulaic. I want to ask you a question on this note that I've been thinking about. So why is it that people like you and I, and, and ostensibly many of our listeners, watched 40 seasons of this show, and correct me if you feel differently, never had a complaint about the repetitiveness of the show, and yet here we are on the sixth season of the new era, and so much of our conversation is focused on repetition. It seems so odd, right? Like this, it, it, it is a formulaic show. It is literally templatized, and yet... I've not had that same feeling that I do in these new era premieres where it's like, we're doing this again. What do you think that that is? So to be fair, I complained a lot about the repetition on the show, especially during the 20s and 30s. Um, And that was more so about the template, especially when we had things like Exile Island, like Redemption Island in the seasons where that appeared, like Edge of Extinction, um, where... We had these 45-minute episodes, um, and I'm not advocating for longer than that, but I'm just saying we had 45-minute episodes where it was like camp scene, long reward challenge, see them on the reward, camp scene, maybe, immunity, strategy, tribal. And so it was very like a lot of times we just like didn't know what was going on, especially at the losing camps tribe. And so I was definitely complaining about that. And that was like a longstanding complaint from me. And I do think that they sort of started to address that in recent years, but for a very long time, that was the formula of the show. And I think like in a lot of ways that that didn't work. So I'm not going to give them full credit that like that was never a problem. Um, For me, again, like I'm just going to be repeating myself, but it's just we've seen this, like we have seen this and there's absolutely absolutely no variation whatsoever. I think like ditch sweat or savvy, it doesn't matter. We've seen enough seasons to see that it makes no impact on the viewing audience, whether they have a pot and machete or not, Um, even whether or not they have a flint, like it literally makes no difference to us. And so let's just scrap it uh, because I would way rather spend that time getting to know people or you know, seeing how relationships or conflicts hopefully are developing um, amongst tribes than like watching people carry uh, a bucket. Like, I mean, so I'm sorry, but like filling up an urn with water is not good TV. Like that no. is not compelling. Like, thank God, at least Jelinski gave us something in throwing the hourglass because it was like, otherwise we would have just been watching them walk back and forth and like maybe fill up. Like we, we as an audience, like we can barely even see how much water is in that thing. Yeah, and like, but like it's, in the old era, he would have like thrown the hourglass and it would have like hit another player. You know what I mean? And they would have been bleeding and like there would have been fallout. Like I just feel like it's like you want it to just always go one step further. I also just want to highlight because as you mentioned, we're recapping uh, Nicaragua right now on the Patreon, and I think there's something here about Jelinski, whose name I'm going to say not very often because something about it on my ears just does a disservice. Well, he's, he's also, he also went home, so you're probably never going to say it again. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that in this new era, like, you do something wrong, like he did, like, make a stupid move, and then you go home. And I want to contrast that with someone like Nayanka, who we just watched several episodes ago literally take a knife or no excuse me not take a knife take the rice and literally steal it from her tribe pissing off her entire tribe a move that you would think would be a unanimous decision to send her home 
And yet, not only did she not go home, she really wasn't even in consideration to go home. Sure, it was mentioned, but it was very much forgiven. And I, again, I it, it might get old, I apologize, but this contrasting old and new, it's just in, in, in the current way that we have it, like one bad move can be your downfall because there's so little else to go on. Whereas back in the day, Nayanka's social status within the group was at such a level that doing something that monumentally like awful, like something that should send you home, didn't really have a consequence. And so I do feel like, uh, and I, and you know, first tribals are hard, right? Cause it's, there's just so little to go off of. First uh-huh. eliminations in general on reality are tough. We talk about this with the traders. Like that first round table is so painful because like there's nothing to go off of. Yeah. Um, but still I was sort of, I, I wish that you could make a bad move and not have that be the thing that torpedoes you and not have to necessarily look and say, okay, he's definitely going home. Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I do think it's like a little bit of a false comparison because at that point, Nayanka is cemented in a majority alliance mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. where this is the first day, the mm-hmm. first two days. And so I don't think that there's like a direct correlation, but I do oh, think God. that this is the most interesting, one of the most interesting things to happen in this episode is that he was in a majority alliance. He's in this alliance with Kenzie, Tiff, and Q. So, of course, as we know with these tired six-person tribes, uh, you need a four-person majority. And he finds himself in one, and this is the big struggle, and we get it mostly from Kenzie's point of view, being like, I have this alliance, I pulled them all together, and it seems like people want Jelinski out, but like, is that important to me? Because right now, he's a number for me. We can get him later. Like, let's just maintain this number and get rid of Jess, who's sleepy and forgetful and losing things, and it's just like generally not helping the tribe. And yet they go with Jelinski. So like, I actually find that quite interesting. And I would have liked a little bit more of the rationale. So so why was this a unanimous vote? Was there infighting amongst this very young alliance, uh, young in terms of like, they've only been together a day, um, as to like, whether they're going to ditch, like, are they going to replace Jelinski with somebody else is like, it seems like uh, Banu is in with them. Is he like a potential new fourth for their alliance? But I don't it's know. Like, but like, how I would have liked a little about, more insight. But if that's the case, then it's like four versus one. These aren't alliances. I know, They're I just know, blocks. Like you're not, you can't be in an alliance of four in a tribe of five. That's just not how this works. And I also feel like you have to recognize the fact that a four person alliance at this stage of the game, it's in my opinion, it's actually smarter to be with a three because if you're in that four, it's very easy for those other three to look at you and be like, you're at the bottom of the rung. Whereas mm-hmm. the three, I think you're able to have more standing ground. And especially now, you you still maintain the majority here. It's still three, two. Yes. I think you just have a little bit more control. And if you look at the history of Survivor in terms of alliances, it's twos and threes. I mean, obviously yeah. there are instances of fours, but there's just way more variables for you being turned on in a four. So I really think you want to cement a three and then have a fake fourth that feels like they're in, but I actually don't think it's a good move in a six to collect a four. I want. I think you want to collect one or two and then have people that are voting with you. Okay, so that's a really good point because my, yeah, I wasn't thinking the numbers through because you need you need four votes in the first tribal that you go to because there's six people and so the last thing you want is a 3-3 tie. Um, but then, of course, 
one, Jelinski doesn't have a vote anyways at this point, and two, we can get rid of him, and then we're still a three-two. We're th- three on two. So like, yeah, that actually works out fine. And can I also say, had J- Jess is her name? Yeah. Had Jess gone home, and you're now in a four-one. Yeah. I actually think that leaves a lot of room for two of the for people flip, in your alliance yeah. to go to that third and say, totally. let's overtake. I actually think it's like, this is a more obvious move than anything. I think the show presented as like, can you believe they voted out someone in their own alliance? And I'm like, I can believe. And it was the correct move. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Uh, before we move on from this tribe, is there anybody we want to talk about? I mean, Tiff did find the new beware advantage, which seems like maybe the easiest beware advantage to get so far. And I'm happy about that. I actually liked the way this beware played out. This beware idol in terms of like finding it and then being like, you'll only be able to get the next step of the clue after you lose immunity, which puts some pressure on. There's some time pressure that like, there's really only a few hours sometimes between losing immunity and having to go to tribal. And so it's like, if you want your vote and if you want an idol, you've got to get back and you've got to like do this thing, but it's not going to be so difficult that it's impossible to do where, you know, to contrast to like the sweat and savvy, I actually feel like those were kind of impossible challenges. Um, but for this beware, you know, you're not waiting on anybody else. You're not waiting on someone else to say a line, uh, like in 41 or 42. Um, and you don't have to, you know, melt a candle like Sabaya had to last season. Um, it's just like, you just got to, decode a message and find a key. So like, I think it's doable. I thought, I thought if this is how we're going to do Bewares, I'm fo- I'm fine with this. It's just a multi-step idol hunt, really. Mm-hmm. I so, guess the only person on this tribe I was sort of like interested in chatting about was Banu, just because there definitely is this uh, ilk of new era confessionalists. And I was wondering if anyone came from, came to mind for you as far as that sort of just like, really over eager energy, a producer's contestant, as they're often called, someone who is going to give exposition, who is going to be leaned on to explain, who has an enthusiasm and encyclopedic knowledge of the game that they can sort of help to situate. I feel like we've gotten them. I know I I, no, I, I can't name money off the top of my head, but I do feel like this is certainly something we've seen. Is anyone coming to mind for you? Uh, no. Not one that's like a direct correlation, but there's obviously like the Carsons of the world, yeah, Jam Carson's Jams the, of the yeah. world. Um, but I don't know that there's like a direct correlation I can easily pull up for Banu, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, he's like, he's the dream contestant of, of New Era Survivor for the producers, exactly. for sure. Yeah. I think that with Banu, there's things like, and I'm not trying to hate on Banu here, but the, the, the survivor fan energy is so high. It's so high that after they lose the immunity challenge, Banu cries. And what is potentially interesting because it would be fun, it would be fun, it would be fun for the audience to see somebody cry because they said, we're really gelling as a tribe and I can't believe that we have to vote somebody out and like this really sucks and we just feel defeated, etc. But what he says when he cries, is he says, we all really wanted to be on Survivor. We all wanted to be on this show. And it's like, well... What about the million dollars? What yeah. about the game? What about yeah. the relationships you've made? 
like we haven't moved beyond being on the show yet. Like that's a little frustrating. And then there's a moment that I just like, I'm sorry, I can't get past it, but it's like, and, and we hit it every season. We hit this moment every season where they go to tribal council and they sit down and Jeff says, you know, light your torches because fire represents your life in this game. And when your fire's gone, so are you. And we have to cut to Banu lip syncing for his life, those lines. And it's just like, I don't, I don't need to do this again. And I think this underlines, underscores a conversation that we had at the tail end of our most recent uh, Nicaragua recap, talking about, obviously we've expressed frustrations with New Era Jeff, as many fans have. That's known. The newer component to it is in a lot of the press that he did surrounding 46, he seems to have this perspective that, that he's offering, which is that like, I hear all the criticism and I'm either going to answer to some of it in my way, which is the example being that him saying he's going to be a little bit harder and bring back the sort of feistier Jeff. He keeps referencing the knife in the rice ad nauseum. Um, and then there's him sort of saying, I hear that you want this thing. It's not going to happen. And and the most, uh, the biggest example of that being him talking about fan complaints about as we're talking about now, the casting of super fans on this show. And in one of Jeff's new interviews, I, I apologize for not knowing which one, he mentions the fact that they would, oh, I think this is the interview with Rob Sestronino that he did for Rob's uh, 5,000th episode. He mentions the fact that they would no longer cast someone that wasn't a fan of the show. So it's like, again, it's like, not only like are they not addressing our criticism, he's making it clear they will never address our criticism. In fact, they will only do the thing that we're criticizing. Similar to another piece that came out recently where he said that like there are no immediate plans for a returning player season. On Rob's podcast, he says they haven't even begun thinking about season 50 because they're focused on 47 and 48. And it's like, you can't do both. You can't focus on 47, 48 and be thinking about the possibility of what you'd want for 50. You can map this out on the schedule and say, okay, it's going to be shooting on those dates. Why don't we send Sandra Diaz Twine an email and just see like, do you have plans right now around? It's like what we need to get some boots on the ground yeah. in Montana because we got to find Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> it's just very, very surprising. Um, yeah. I don't know whether or not to believe it, because part of me is like, yes, yeah. they're thinking about 50. He's just keeping it close to the... Was it? What did they say? You're keeping it close to the chest? Yeah. Chest or vest, I think. I was going to say vest, too, because it's like... Was that like it's a bulletproof vest? Uh, oh, well, I think it's I think it's more of like a card game analogy. So it's like... Oh, the maybe vest. a vest is like a traditional card uh, <laughs> playing uniform. I don't, I don't but know. I think it's like you keep your cards close to your vest, right? Got it, got it. That makes sense. Um, so anyway, I, I, uh, it's it's disheartening to think that like we had, you know, obviously we have all this hope for fifty, and then I think mm -hmm. we also have this hope that I think we more like we're trying to manifest, which is like wow, like with the success of the Traders 2 and Surya Big Brother, et cetera, that there's going to be this energy around returning players and like, we're not getting it. It's clear, We I think this was made clear last season, we're not going back to 39 days. Uh, Jeff has made clear he's not interested in themed seasons. It just seems like every potential criticism will go unaddressed. The only one it seems that's being addressed is that we're going to see less of like Jeff the nice guy. But again, I don't really know how that will manifest given that he's remains intentional about this now being a family show. So yeah, yeah. just uh, questions, questions. 
Yeah. Um, okay. I hear you. Let's run through. Well, I, we're running low on time here, and we haven't talked about the, either of the other tribes. So I just want to touch down on the dynamics of the other tribes. So we have the green Sega tribe, and we the dynamic here that's been set up for us is it's girls against boys, and Charlie's in the middle. He's either going to go with the girls, and they're going to be Charlie's angels, or he's going to go, which I think is far less likely, is he's going to somehow combine with Tim, who hates women, uh, and vote out just a woman, any woman, name a woman. Uh, he just wants a Good. woman gone because famously women always vote out all the men, uh, as Tim pointed out. And so um, where they're going to get the fourth number to do that is like not yet had been explained to me by Tim, uh, but he has got tunnel vision. He just wants a woman out. So it seems to me far more likely that uh, Charlie is going to team up with Mariah, Maria, and Jem on that mm-hmm. tribe, which is like, why put those, <laughs> why put Maria and Mariah together? And Charlie just in is terms a, of like names. Charlie's a big fan of um, a, a pop star, right? Uh, can't remember which one. Brittany? Brittany. And I think no, it was no, Christina. No, no. Katie. Mandy Moore. Uh, Sia. He likes Sia. That's why they cast him. He likes I, Sia. No, 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 no. It's Carrie Underwood. It's a country artist. Oh, I get that. Um, Charlie's a big fan of Drop Your Buffs. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say, wait, wait, wait. Also, I will say this. I will say one other thing. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I don't care. Uh, Nobody's listening to this. Uh, That Charlie did say last season amongst the big kerfuffle we had with a certain Survivor 45 contestant um, said... I love your podcast, and I give you full permission to talk all the shit you want about me. Yes. Okay, work. So Um, we love Charlie. Well, here I go. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I will say, I want to open up the line. Any 45ers that are following us that have- 46ers? 46ers that have that similar (laughs) Charlie energy, feel free. Like, we'd love a little bit of tea. It can obviously stay anonymous, (laughs) but like, if we say something and you want to correct the record or you know more or you feel some type of way about something thing we've said let's make this a symbiotic you know a symbiotic situation um i will say just on the taylor front it's just funny that like you could feel like the camera op the the field producers just (laughs) jizzing at the thought of like oh my god we can like we have multiple mentions of taylor swift in this episode our family audience is just gonna eat this up Yeah. yeah now Okay, one thing I know, I, we'll go to the last try, but just one thing. Um, I wanted to get your thought because, you know, there was a quote that Jeff gave to Entertainment Weekly. He said, there's also a weirdly, excuse me, there's also weirdly a sense of music this season, either because somebody plays an instrument or somebody sings or somebody's really into something about music and they end up talking about it. It's not a huge thing, but there is this sort of underbelly of music coming in throughout. And we did get some of that music in this episode. And so, Sean, I just have to ask, like, how are you feeling about, you know, we had the Taylor Swift mention. There's mm-hmm. obviously some live vocals. How are you feeling about the underbelly of music pres- present in season 46 of Survivor? Evan. <laughs> 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 uh, 
We, here's what I want, because like I'm seeing where they're going with this. Obviously, we have Soda uh, over on the Yellow slash Orange Tribe just uh, doing camp songs and things like that, and we'll get to them. Um, but on this tribe, we've got like, it's more about, okay, what do you like? We like Taylor Swift. Uh, what did Ben like? I don't remember, but he plays instruments, and he plays every kind of music from polka to heavy metal. Um, and I'm seeing where they're going with this, but what I really want is like, okay, Taylor Swift is the biggest pop star in the world right now. A lot of people are very familiar with her work beyond just the singles, right? We kind of know the eras. Uh, it's been a whole branding thing. I want to get a little deeper on Charlie's Taylor Swift fandom. What's his era? Is he a folklore girly? Is he uh, an evermore girly? Like, I want to get a little bit more on that. But I fear what we're going to get is like Ben's polka playing. Um, so like, if we're going to do an underbelly of music, let's get into the deep cuts okay. on T-Swift, not in Ben's polka stylings. Okay, you're going to hate me. Okay. Do you want to just give our each of our top three T-Swifts? Songs or yeah. eras? Songs. Oh my God, yeah, I would love to. Why would I hate that? Well, because I'm deviating and you wanted to wrap it up. Oh, what do I care? You're the one with the time crunch. No, 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 my, my, my next appointment canceled. <clears throat> um, okay, so I'm like, I'm probably a low-key, more of a low-key fan than people might think. Like, I do know a, quite a bit about the body of work. Okay, so I'm yeah. going to go with Style. I, okay. but mine are not deep cuts here. Yeah, I just, sure, I, sure. Yeah. They don't have to be. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Style. I am a big Invisible String fan. Oh. And then... An oldie-ish, but a goodie, uh, Trouble. I knew you were Trouble. Oh, I hate that song. That was my entry point to her. I, I, that's okay, like the, I yeah. understand, yeah. And I have, a, I have a particular affection. I have like a very hot take on Red, which is I think that Red, the original album, I just don't think it's aged well. I think a lot of those singles sound tacky, especially on the re-record, just doesn't play mm. right. And it's just so... It's so of the time, it's so millennial, but in like a kind of a cringy way. Like, don't come for me, Charlie, but that's just my truth. And mm -hmm. I love Taylor Swift. So like, that's where that's You love from. Taylor Swift? Yeah, I, lo I really oh, love I Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I didn't know. Wait, I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so uh, my number one Taylor Swift song is actually a newer one. It is the all too well 10 minute version, Taylor's version. Understood, yeah. I think it's like an untouchable song. Um, I really love Champagne Problems from Evermore. Evermore is my favorite Taylor album. And I think if I had to pick another, I would just be sort of like shooting in the dark here, but Out of the Woods on Ugh. 1989. Oh, stop. Ew. Okay, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Oh, God, it's just so... Out of the Woods is a perfect pop song. It's so repetitive and it starts poorly. Okay. You have to like a bill to your entrance. <laughs> no, I refuse. All right. Well, <laughs> should we wrap this up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mean this episode or season 46 cover? <laughs> I meant the, the, whole, the whole thing, the whole podcast. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the Orange Tribe because we do need to touch down on them because there's uh, something going on here. Um, but first of all. Okay. Hunter, kind of cute. Hunter, Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter, but I'm crushing on, hold on, looking at the names, Q. Oh, you are. Yeah. 
Okay, there's something like, there's a really, it's, I don't want to say it's like toxic, but there's like such a straight energy coming from Q that it's like a little off-putting to me. But that's what I want from my I show. I see, I see. Like I, I was going to say, Q gave me, I'm not going to say old school, but older school vibes. Yeah. Okay, so, you want Q to bully you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I find Hunter like cute because this whole like small town thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't believe anybody's an introvert getting onto New Era Survivor, but like, I appreciate the sort of like positioning of that being like, ah, oh, like I'm not fitting in with these people, but I'm going to go out of my way to try and I'm going to try to like build a bridge with Tevin here. And like, I hate singing, but I'm going to like try to make that my thing, like put myself out of my. I thought it was cute. Like, it's kind of cute and charming, I think. Mm-hmm. For a guy that like, on appearance alone, I'd be like, Ugh, yikes, wouldn't want to run into him. Well, would want to run into him, but like, you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> what did you make of all this Andy Griffith show stuff? So I make possibly of- the biggest editing flourish yet. Oh. Uh, well, I do want to, I will mention having listened to Franny and uh, Rob on uh, Rob's podcast, mention the fact that. Andy Griffith is a par- available on Paramount Plus, which uh-huh. I, I don't think is a coincidence. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to give it too much time yeah, <laughs> because that dignifies it. Um, <laughs> but it did remind me of like where we're at as far as like, you like Andy Griffith? I like Andy Griffith. Let's work together. Or on the other tribe, it's like, you're a parent. I'm a parent. Let's work together. It's just yeah. like we find one area of connection. It can be as obvious as we're both parents or as deep cut as Andy Griffith. And somehow that's like supposed to be a human connection. Um, Again, I just, I want my Rudy and Richard. I want these two people should never be together. And yet. Mm -hmm. Well, I do think we could see that with Hunter and Tevin. I don't think it's, they're not of different worlds. Uh, Okay. I mean, I mean, Hunter's like a very straight small town guy and Devin's like a very flamboyant sort of like actor. Singer. Yeah, but like Hunter's a science teacher. There are a lot of, t- hey, last year was lawyers at war. This year is teachers at war. Everybody's a teacher. Okay. You notice that? Okay. A lot of teachers. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I do want to point out Soda because Soda recently followed us. So, and named after me, Soda Pup. And uh, I'm really enjoying Soda. I feel like Soda is giving like a really good, funny sort of like energy. And what took Soda to the next level for me, because there was a point where it was like, ooh, the camp singing, like this could be like a bit annoying. But um, when Soda had Venus's back after Randon made the comparison to Parvati, I was like, okay, like we've got, we're cooking with something here. Like if mm-hmm. Soda and Venus can team up with Tevin, because it seems like Soda and Tevin have a good relationship, and Hunter, then like this could be an alliance I'm keeping my eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you make of Venus? Because there was a lot of preseason talk about Venus. She's the hot girl of the season. She's our Maddie Pamela of Survivor 46. And we get the name, the deity herself invoked, Parvati. Uh, Randon calls her a poverty light. And then that name is brought up again and again and again. Uh, and we get it explained to us who poverty is uh, in a TV show where poverty would no longer be cast. Um, I found that very interesting. What did you make of all this poverty talk? I didn't really catch it. <laughs> Are you joking? No, I mean, like, I heard it. I didn't catch it as being something to, like, touch down. Oh, oh my God. I'm much I more interested it was, like, in the highlight this. of the episode. 
Oh, see, for me, it was like, I think Liz is the is the thing, not Venus. Oh, well, then let's talk about Liz. Well, I don't know, but it's just like, is there something to say about the poverty? It's like, yeah, no, I just I just thought it was very interesting because... I don't like comparisons. It's like, it's such an obvious comparison yeah. to make that like, well, nowadays we get like one of this archetype, uh, if we're lucky, per season. And it's always talked around in that like, as Tim is doing on the Green Tribe, can't have the girls work together. You know, it's the legacy of the Black Widow Brigade. And it's it's never explicitly mentioned. It hasn't been in a long time. And we're watching Survivor Nicaragua and it's on people's mind. And we've, we've had poverty mentioned there. But it's not really mentioned a whole lot in the new era that we're like calling back to poverty by name. And so when it comes up here that Randon's like, something's wrong with this girl. Don't like her at all. She's a poverty light. And then that that's going around to be like, you know, he's calling you poverty. And she's like, I love that she's calling me poverty. And they're like, you know, talking about what what this is like insinuating and what it means in the broader culture of Survivor. I just thought it was interesting given that, I guess my question is, would this segment be included? Would the, would the word poverty be included if not for the Trader Season 2 airing right now? I mean, I'm not going to give the editors that credit to like think that that would be. So I, I, I don't think so. Um, the only thing I would say on this is that I think there's uh, commonly a flattening of history. And it's like the Black Widow Brigade, or and specifically Parvati, it's not really an all-girls alliance, right? It began with James and Ozzy. That's uh-huh. who they were moving through the game with. And then her and Amanda clipped the two of them and then by convenience, and then Sari was sort of like the fifth at that point. But again, it was sort of like they were very much working with Ozzy and James. And that was the plan at one point in the game. Until the tribe swap. That's right. when, then they and sw- Amanda actually wanted nothing to do with it. Like right. Harvey pulled in Alexis and Natalie and was. And, and Alexis Amanda- and Natalie were votes, right? It wasn't yes. like she looked yeah. at them and was like, I feel a connection here. It was votes. So I, I, yes, in the end, obviously, and then with Sari and Amanda at the end of the three of them, but like this Black Widow Brigade, I think I would look, it really, to me, you want to look more at one world, um, which I know the given circumstances, mm. they were an all-girls all tribe, so it's different, but still, it's like they were moving through the game as all women with an intention to work together. That, to mm-hmm. me, is more of the all-girls alliance thing. I do think there's something to be said about what I feel happening right now. It's like, there's this new era survivor thing, which is like, we recognize the archetype, we're mentioning the archetype, and we're subverting the archetype. And I would give the instance of that being, I'm going to find her name, uh, Maria, um, sort of like mentioning, I'm a mom, but I'm not that mom. And I feel like even that's now become its own trope, where it's like, I am this thing, but I put a twist on it. Uh, And so I, I felt that, Bruce, well. I'm I'm not a dad. I'm an uncle, I'm and an it uncle. turns out he's a dad. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> again, I wish we could just lean away from defining ourselves at all, comparing ourselves to past players. And as we always say, Survivor is not really a is yes, gameplay is a component, but situation is everything, right? Even yes. if even if you were to come in and play Parvati's game. I don't think there are as many men to to flirt with. There aren't Jameses really on this season. Right. Um, so again, it's sort of like it's the cards that you're dealt and how you're able to move forward in the game. So yeah. that's my feeling. I, I guess like the the point that I'll make is that 
I appreciate that Venus wasn't the one coming out saying, I'm playing like poverty. Yes. It was put onto her by Randon. And I think that that was very dark-sided of Randon. And he's he's on my watch list right now uh, because uh, I got a chalice for you, Randon. Um, don't, <laughs> don't come for Venus using poverty. Don't weaponize poverty against Venus because I actually... I thought Venus did quite well for herself here. I mean, like from going, being called a princess uh, and then sort of like being in this good position to have like sort of looking out for her. Uh, I thought this is, this looks promising because very easily you could have looked at this cast preseason and said, well, Venus is the clear first boot and that may not be the case. So uh, I liked that. Did you want to talk about Liz? Liz yeah. is also a Drop Your Bus fan, frequent yeah, no, commenter. I, we and, like Liz. And Liz follows Evan Ross Katz. Shout out to Liz. Oh! Um, Liz was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, I just, it's funny. I turned to Billy as we were watching last night, and I was like, because I really, immediately I was like, I felt like I'd found my person. And I was like, what, I said to Billy, I was like, what do you think that I think about Liz? And Billy goes, I think you fucking hate her. <laughs> Oh, and I was like, no, I was like, I'm, I think she's my, she's my girl for the season. I don't know. I just was like, again, it's the first episode, but like, I just instinctually, energetically, I'm always like, who am I leaning towards? Who am I not? For instance, like Q, I was like, okay, like I'm tapped into this kind of gameplay. Whereas there are people who in the new era, I'm sort of like, I think I'm gonna, I like, I think I meant to like, like, uh, is Kenzie the redhead? Yeah. So, like, I think I'm supposed to like Kenzie, and yet there's something with, there's something that's, like, it doesn't quite click for me just yet. I'm not saying it won't, mm-hmm. but I'm, mm-hmm. like, it's it's almost, like, too much of the kind of player I would think I would like that I'm almost, like, mm, I right. don't know. Um, well, I, I also think, like, to that point, I don't think... I think we got a lot of character stuff with Liz, and I don't think we got a lot of character stuff with Kenzie. We got the stuff about, like, is this a club? When's the party right. starting? Met my boyfriend at a bar, et cetera. But, like, uh, or partner, I don't know. Um, but uh, but a lot of Kenzie's actual content was focused on the gameplay, and I think that's because that tribe went to tribal council, and it was this question of, like, Jess versus Jelinski and, like, being with Tiff, finding the... So it was, like, I don't think we've really seen Kenzie yet, despite yeah. seeing a lot of Kenzie. So, um, I agree. And so I'm basically, I'm very here for Liz. I am hopeful that the story that she presented, like about her life outside of Survivor, I hope that that is not a part of her arc on the show because I really don't need another like Emily Flippin thing of like, this is who I am outside the game and this show has taught me blah, blah, blah. And so they are setting up a little bit like, I have a difficult time making friends and like, is she going to come here and it's going to like sort of like bookend the story of Liz? I hope that that's not the case. Wasn't that Mariah? What? (laughs) <laughs> Am I confusing people? Wasn't it Mariah who had trouble making friends? The like Dungeons and Dragons, like I'm a nerd. Oh God, I think you're right. <laughs> okay, we got it. Liz, Liz is the Liz, Liz is the one that's allergic to everything. Has four businesses sold to the cocky. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah. The co- oh, cocky. The, she said that in the cocky. water, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I like both. <laughs> but yeah, both <laughs> both glass both glasses. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> similar look, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and also just to, but to the to the, the arrogance thing, it's like, yes, I want this arrogance and this delusion. I just don't want it to go to that. Who's the one who came back that we liked a little bit, but then came back and was super crazy? Debbie? Yes. I don't want it to go to that Debbie place of like her becoming her like whole thing being I'm so delusional. 
Like that's all I am is just delusional. That's so interesting because I don't, I don't see her that way. I don't either. I'm saying I don't want it to go to that place okay. of like her time on the show being. I'm constantly thinking things are one way and they're another because when you present, when you choose to show the limited footage that we have of her in this mm-hmm. episode, when you choose for it to be her saying, I'm so great, and then you get a talking head of someone else commenting yeah. on her that is setting up a scenario in which yeah. it's like her perception of herself is so off and that it's going to grate people. I don't want that to be how this plays out. Yeah, sure. And there was also another little piece of like potential foreshadowing there where she was talking about how she's allergic to everything, including coconuts, which is not good news on Survivor. And she's like, but oh my God, no, like don't change your reactions to to Sue. I, I let anybody live their life. I just have to deal with my own shit. Um, and I was like, hmm, is that like a little foreshadowing that like she is going to break at some point? Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I do want to, we, we, like, we've already talked about the vote, etc. I don't think we need to touch on Jelinski, but there's two last things I would like to touch on. I know we're going long, but boy, was it a long episode. Do you know that I forgot that it was a two-hour premiere? And I was like, it's like 9.05. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so great. We're going to fly through an immunity challenge, fly through the strategy, and fly through tribal council. This is so good. <laughs> like, no. Oh, you thought it was 90. I thought it was, I thought it was 90 minutes. I didn't realize it was a two-hour premiere. I, I had forgotten. And I, and... Just to hype myself up for next week, it's a two-hour episode, too, as well. Wait, really? Yeah. Ugh, I'm calling out. <laughs> so. Why? I don't know. Um, but I do want to touch on the journey because a lot is being made of Maria here on the journey. And I'll say, look, didn't need a journey. I did not need a journey in this episode. I think we could have cut it, but whatever. Uh, that's beside the point. I did like the little game of pulling the cards and then having to convince one person that you have a card that maybe you don't have. Um, But I didn't understand the rules until the game was all over, really. I didn't know that we were playing for extra votes. And like, maybe that was me not getting it, but I felt like they flew through that. And for a show that's allegedly for kids now, I just feel like some of these rules, especially on the journey, is just like, they're so convoluted and they just don't really make enough sense uh for how quick these segments are and yet take up so much time with the episode um but as a game i liked it now that i know how it played out and i thought that uh maria did did a like great job of maybe jelinski was easy to push over but i thought she did a really good job of pushing him over being like if one of you is lying to me and i'm about to find out and i'll go back to my tribe and tell them and you'll be fucked so I thought Maria, I got my eye on Maria as a result of that. Okay. Do you want to talk about the immunity challenge and the geckos? Can we talk about the after show? Yeah. Okay. We will discuss geckos on the after show. We did get a lot of questions about the geckos in my uh, uh, solicitation of questions on Instagram for the after show. So we will talk about the geckos. I got a lot to say. And let's talk, let's talk about Jeff on the after show. Well, well we're going to be talking about Jeff on the after show. I've got what? some things to say about to that. Say well. And uh, and we'll be playing Star or Starless on the after show. So we need an emoji. Oh, before we, before we get there, I do want to announce, I'm going to put this episode out today-ish. Um, but moving forward, we are changing our schedule. You are used to getting these recaps the day after the show airs. Um, to keep things consistent, because as as all of our loyal listeners know, we have really insane schedules right now, and it's been very difficult, and we're doing a lot of podcasting. So to make this a little easier on ourselves, we're going to set uh, 
standard release time of Sunday mornings after the episode airs. So you will have a few days to consume all your happy-go-lucky uh, hat podcasts. Uh, and then <laughs> you can round out your weekend with us uh, talking Survivor 46 on Sunday mornings. Uh, and that's just so that... Uh, because as much as I love getting these out on Thursdays, and some weeks it would be possible. It's just not going to be possible every week. And so this gives us a little time to get some recording in. And it gives more time to you also to get us questions and like sort of like chew over the episode. And like maybe we can have a more fulsome discussion than sometimes the knee-jerk response. And hopefully maybe we can have more alumni on to join us for recapping. Totally, yeah. It totally frees up our schedule that way too. Because that's been a huge difficulty. So yeah, great idea. Um, Speaking of alumni... Do we have anything to tease? We've got a big interview in the works. We're just like trying to nail down the time. You're talking about, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we have anything to tease? Oh, well, um, I did have a long DM discussion, uh, not long, but a short DM discussion with Natalie Cole of uh, the White Lotus season three fame last oh. night. So I do think Natalie would be someone great to, to get into the pipeline. Totally. So, and yeah. I also saw that you had a conversation with Nayanka. I did have a, oh yeah, I did have a conversation with Nyanko. Yes. I don't want to get too excited about that because we had hope last time and we before. lost her. But yeah, there are <laughs> converse, I would say there are multiple conversations with iconic women of Survivor happening. Oh, and I've been in touch with Dan Giesling about coming on and recapping the Traders finale with us next week. I should mention that to you. <laughs> oh, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I also am in touch uh, with Janelle about yeah. I, I, there's like a lot of balls in the anything. air. The problem is just like as you just mentioned, we already have limited bandwidth, so it's funny. Well, Dan Giesling tweeted that uh, this might be the, his first season of Survivor he's going to watch Survivor 46 in a long time. So hey, maybe he could weigh in on that too. I would love that. I feel bad. I feel so bad because of course I talked to Azra Valani uh, on the Patreon to recap uh, whatever the last episode of the traders um episode nine i think and uh she said that this is going to be her first season of survivor so azra if you're listening i'm sorry it will get better i hope and uh if you want any like old seasons to go back and binge like just ask me for some advice yeah but let's get azra on this season to join us for gladly yeah gladly because i feel like as we talked about offline you need to meet sandra and i need to meet azra yeah 100 percent and, and they are on equal footing in terms of, like, legend status, so. Correct. Okay, okay so emoji. we need an emoji for the meme cap. Gecko? Is there a gecko? Mm, I highly doubt it. There yes, there is. There has to be a gecko. Okay, gecko. Why, what, what Definitely better than a gecko? gecko. Is there a bloodshot eye? No, I don't think there is. Uh, okay, well... With that, we're going to head over to the after show. We've got lots to talk about there, and our after shows will be available uh, right after the main show goes up each week. Uh, so there's that. We're also wrapping up. We're getting towards wrapping up our Survivor Nicaragua coverage on the Patreon. I think there's still like a handful of episodes left for that, but it's been very fun. So if uh, you want to do a little old school watching as well, you can check out our Patreon for that. And we've also watched Survivor Panama and survivor borneo uh so all those episodes are currently available as well as as well as some other uh sort of random bits over on the patreon so check that out the link to that is in the show notes to this episode and 
Of course, you can find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod, and you can find us on Twitter at Drop Buffs Pod. And if you enjoyed this, if you didn't hate our complaining, you can always leave a review. Or just don't. No, do uh, if okay. it's nice. Yeah, do if it's nice. Don't, like, don't every discourage time I call for reviews, reviews. I start getting the bad ones. All right. <laughs> okay, with that, thank you so much. See you at the after show. Bye. Bye. Bye.